0: discipleship In today's subject matter we find in our new testament letter of Romans 6 chapter looking at verses 1 to verse 14 I'll be reading from the new living translation those who are able to stand and honor the reading of God's word you are welcome to do so Reading from the New Living Translation, verses 1 through 14 of the sixth chapter of Romans. The Word of God says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we, also, we, we will also be raised to life. As he was, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we now will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of Of God's grace. Praise God for His word. Amen. You may be seated as you take your seat. If you can help me announce this subject matter to your neighbor, tell them disciples are in deep. deep. Amen. So make sure your neighbor on the other does not feel left out. Share with them to tell them disciples are in deep. deep. Looking at this text, you see where did you get this in deep from? First and foremost, you see that word baptism. And baptism means to go in something deep. <laughs> means to be submerged or be to be immersed or to be dipped in. So disciples are to be in deep with Christ. This word phrase in deep found in the Oxford Dictionary means to be informal or inexplic- and inextricably involved in or committed to a situation. In other words, when someone says that they are in deep, it means they have found something that they cannot be separated from. As this word inextricable means, it says something that is impossible to disentangle or separate. So, and if we are in deep in Christ, a disciple of Christ, then we will be hard to be disentangled or separated from Christ. Am I talking to somebody here on this morning that if I am a disciple of Christ, it will be evident that when they see me, they see me walking with him. Just a little closer walk with thee, that it will be evident in my life and in my walk and in my talk that I have been spending some time with my friend that they call Jesus. So cr- Christians who are disciples of Christ then therefore should see evidence in their life. Using Romans 6 chapter verses 1 through 14, there's a couple of things that should be evident and allowed to show that we are a disciple of Christ and that we are indeed. the evidence is that we are A, exhibit A, if you will, dead to sin. Exhibit B is living in grace. Exhibit C shows you are united with Christ. And then also this evidence also shows that you have put it in your mind as you reckon it, as you consider it, as you believe it, as you accept it, that I am dead to this world, but alive for Christ. The first evidence of a disciple is is. Being in deep is being dead to sin. Look how Paul opens up this transition in the sixth chapter. What shall I say then? Shall we continue on in sin so that grace may increase? King James Version says, God forbid, some say by no means. How is it that we are disciples of Christ, that we will be living a life that does not show us as disciples of Christ? To say that we have been saved by grace, oh, hallelujah, anybody glad that you've been saved by grace. So that we have been saved by grace does not mean that or gives us allowance or give us a purpose of excuse to keep on living a life like we want to, living in sin, and go ahead and tell everybody I'm saved by grace, but watch me go ahead and do what I'm about to do. It does not line up because if God has saved us, then we are no longer in bondage, enslaved to sin. So why still live in that penalty? <laughs> sin, sin has nothing good for you. We are free from sin. I mean, in order for us to understand, to be free from sin, you must understand what sin does. Sin enslaves you. It embondages you. It will kill you. So since we are free from sin, we shall no longer live in sin, for we are dead to sin. This death we have is in, is, is, is in Christ, symbolized in our baptism. Baptism means to dip or to immerse or to submerge. And you know when someone dies, you, you dig up some dirt and you submerge them, you immerse them into some ground. And then you cover them up, but also just as we are symbolizing our death and our baptism when we go under the water, but also we are symbolizing our resurrection with Christ when we come out of the water. So when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord, we are then spiritually united with him in death by being immersed into his suffering, but not not knowing his suffering, for Christ took this penalty for us. Do you understand that being free from sin means you are free from the penalty of sin? And the penalty of, sin, penalty of sin is death. That's why Paul in that Corinthian letter gets excited in that 15th chapter. Oh, death, <laughs> where is thy victory? Oh, sin, where is thy sting? For the sting of sin is death. But Christ has defeated death. And when Christ has defeated death, sin has no power. But also what sin has no power has no power over us because we are free from this power. So with this perspective, we should no longer live in sin for we are dead through Christ. So why commit the same crime you have been already been forgiven for, that you felt bad for, that you felt guilty for, that you felt ashamed for, and he says it's forgiven. You go back and do it again. That is what's happening when we realize that we are living in a life of sin. We are committing the same heinous crime over and over again, saying that we're alive, we're living in death. You don't go to the graveyard looking for a living people. So if we are dead to sin, why are we still going around death stuff, looking for life? Sin only going to produce death, but it tries to set you up with certain traps to allure you in. But yet, if we understand of us being dead to sin, as Romans 6 chapter 6 verse tells us, that we kill the old man, anybody been around death before? And have you been around death when there's been no embalming? There's been no, uh, no, no, nothing done to preserve and keep the stench from coming. It doesn't smell very fresh. And, and when you smell death, it is so per- repulsive that you got to cover your nose and your mouth that you don't want to smell anymore. That's what sin should be to you. Sin should be so disgusting, so repulsive that every time it comes near you that you just get repulsive. And you say, I don't want to have anything to do with it because I'm dead to that. And so when we take that, pers- when we take that perspective when we realize that we are free from sin, we truly understand of living. Because look at verse 6. It says simply here that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Therefore, the life we live as a new person regenerated Washed by the blood, we will will remind ourselves and others that we've been set free. We celebrate Independence Day year after year, celebrating how the United States of America became independent, been set free from under the ruling and a monarchy of, of England, but yet we are so short or so slow to celebrate every day our independence of sin. I lost somebody. I got a few people, but I lost some people. How is it that we can have fireworks and celebrate a country that became independent, but yet still has slaves? Some had liberties, but some had no liberties. But we can show sure enough, have a cookout. We can show sure enough, come up and tell everybody, come on, on my day, we celebrate For But yet, when we think about what Jesus has done for us, We can show up in a place of worship and just sit down and act like he's done nothing. But you can stand in a park for hours upon hours or watch some fireworks and you'll wait till they get done. But you show up in the place of who sets you free. And you're going to sit down and say, what you going to do for me? He's already done enough. You are free from sin, which means he did something to set you free. What did he do? He died on the cross. And so if I put this in proper perspective, if he died in my place, then I died. And if I die and he's alive, then I'm living for him. So no longer am I enslaved because look, it says sin no longer has its power. You know, when something loses power, it no longer has any use. Think about batteries go dead, no longer has juice, no longer has power. What do you do? You go get some new ones. And if you have rechargeable, what? You go and recharge them. Can I help you out? That we can throw out the old batteries and we can get some new batteries. Those who want to recharge us, it says they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So times are like that things will drain us, things will pull us out, things will become old. But yet yeah, God can consistently refresh us, regenerate, and make us brand new. Thinking about how we are now no longer these old persons. These old persons. I was reading an account about Augustine said he was walking and this woman started accosting him and trying to get his attention, which was his ex-mistress. And he kept on walking. She, as since she, He kept on walking. She yelled, even though I saying, it's me. It's me. He says, I know, but it's no longer me. Isn't that a good news that you can change yourself? That some people remember you, the old self, but that old person is dead and that's no longer you. So you are no longer associated and are connected with those things that's full of sin and bad memories. But now you are refreshed and renewed and said, this is the new me. Hallelujah. Can I encourage you to let you know that somebody else is going to bring up your past or bring up what you used to do, but you can let them know that's not me. <laughs> I've been redeemed. I've been changed. That old person is killed, but I'm alive in Christ doing new things for my Lord and my Savior. Am I talking to somebody here on this morning? Realize that other people want to hold you down. They want to kill you, but they have no power. They have no power. Sin has no power, but we are now under grace. Hallelujah for his amazing grace. This grace that we have that God has shown us, showed us how we have been free from the penalty of sin, not by works so that no man can boast, but by faith. So this faith we place is in who? Jesus. And this faith we place in Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins. And since he died in our place, remember, he died in our place. I read another story about a man that was in the Germans in Germany, and Germany had a substitution army, so this person went in with his name. And so this person is walking down the street, and they said, I read in the paper that you died. I said, yeah, that, yes, I did die, but that was somebody else. They went in my place. And what happened was, since somebody else went in his place, he no longer had to be drafted, no longer had to serve in the army. They already did the work for him. So he's walking around free because somebody took his place. Do you not see the symbolism there? That we're walking around free. We're walking around alive because someone took our place. That the penalty of sin is death. Somebody had to pay, but Jesus says, Lord, I'll go in your state. Think about how you're enjoying life right now. So you think, Jesus, I I can wait. You can go ahead and think. I can wait. Because sure enough, the life that we live, we realize that, man, God is good to me. Because if, if we look and check the records, we can realize there's so many times in our lives that we should have fell short. But his grace is good. His mercy is everlasting. Because of that, we've made it just a little bit longer. we made it, just a, and, and we became stronger, we became wiser, we became better, all because of God looking out for us. And so in this process of us being his disciple, we must get in deep. And when we get in deep, we get in connected because it says we are united with him. You see that in the text? That we have been united with him. We are united with him. That we experience his death. We experience his burial. We experience his resurrection. Since we too can realize that we too can be dead to this world, we can be alive. It says then, consider yourself dead to this world, right? Consider yourself dead or reckon yourself dead. Therefore, no longer use as instruments of wickedness but used as instruments of righteousness. Can I help somebody out that we, we look at tools and, and I'll show you that, that you could put a hammer in my hand and it would be a tool of wickedness because I'm no good with a hammer. <laughs> but you put a hammer in somebody else's hands that knows how to work a hammer, oh, they'll make some good carpentry in the house. Can I help you out realizing that you, the devil trying to get you in his hands? And he's trying to do some wickedness works with you, but you let yourself be in the master's hands. And he will do amazing things with you. So, the, so many times we want to blame ourselves. But oftentimes if you look at closely, the tool is trying to be manipulated by the user. And the enemy's trying to use you. He's trying to use you as much as he can because what God has for you is great and wonderful, joy and peace. But the enemy has nothing but to kill, steal and destroy. And that's why Paul, after you, if you look at the sixth chapter, go on to the eighth chapter, you can see that's why Paul gets out and says, what can separate us from the love of God? You see, we are in deep. Nothing can separate us. Nothing can detangle us. Nothing can take us away from him. We are twined and bounded together in God through the gift of his Holy Spirit because we confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. I'm in deep. I'm in deep. Why? Because nothing's going to separate me. From the love of God. I I am fully immersed. I have been baptized. I'm fully in in one, united with Christ. Therefore, if I'm united with him, it's no longer a verbal message, but it's a way of life. Because we have those who say they love the Lord and confess Him as a Lord and, and say they do all those things, but yet the life does not line up because they're still living in sin. What well, he just open up? How can we say that we love him? We continue living in sin so that grace may increase. God forbid. And so what we look at here, I want us to grab this, that if you look at the first chapter of Romans, he says that they have abused his grace and he gave them over to lasciviousness. He came over to a reprobate mind because they lost their mind. He said, y'all love sinning. I'm going to let y'all keep on going. That was punishment to them because they refused to repent and acknowledge him. And so, therefore, they suffered the penalty of their own sins. But aren't you glad that he loved us enough that he showed us grace? Look at this grace. Since we are dead, since we are dead, we have experienced his grace. And this grace, this grace abound. Now, it says this, that. We should not continue on sin so that grace may increase. And I want to encourage us that grace increases anyway. But we don't sin to make grace increase. We keep on living to experience his grace. Because it's by his grace we have been saved, not by works. And that's why when we look at what his grace has done, this is what grace has done for us. Grace is God's unmerited favor, which means it is a... Gift, which means no one has worked for it no one deserves it no one can earn it it is freely given this grace we have by god shows us how we are now raised with christ free from the penalty of sin and now instruments of righteousness because the old self was crucified with christ the body of sin has been destroyed can I say that again? That we have been crucified with Christ because, you know, the death that he died was not just a death, but it was a crucifixion. It was a death sentence, a penalty coming from the government to die a death on a cross full of extinguishing, uh, 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 full of pain and suffering. And he died a hum- humiliating death for us. And this is this was done so that our relationship with God could be united. For we are united with him by faith. This unity is demonstrated by us being crucified with him in the the symbolism of our baptism and us rising again from the baptism in our resurrection, showing us that we are free from sin, and we are now being used for the will of the Father. And when I want us to understand that we are now used for the will of the Father, we are to be his disciples. And being his disciples means you do the work of your teacher. And Jesus should be our teacher. A lot of us will, will wear our alma mater shirts and wear everything that we are proud of because we're proud of our alma mater. We're proud of where we gain our education. We're proud of what they've instilled upon us. And some of those principles are still implied upon our life. How much more so the principles? Of Jesus Christ be applied upon our lives. How much more so we tell everybody about who we serve, and we may not have T-shirts and jump shirts and colors to go along, but we show enough to raise that blood-stained banner every time we walk around in our life. That says somebody Jesus is good, that He has saved my soul, that I wouldn't be here without Him. These are the opportunities that we can share. That I am doing the work in the will of the Father, because it's evident in my life that I'm no longer handcuffed in bondage in sin, because I've been saved by His grace. I'm going to deal with the subject of sin and get back to it as well. I want us to grab again that sin should be so repulsive and so disgusting to us that we should have nothing to do with it. Because when I say we should have nothing to do with it, it means that we should not be continually in. Think about it. When you get in something, some, we, we mess up. Anybody here mess up before? And when you mess up, you recognize it. You try to clean it up. But those who are caught, get caught in mess and don't want to clean it, they get in more mess. And you know, the more mess you get and the dirtier you get, the harder it becomes to clean. And that's why you got that favorite shirt, you get a stain on, you take it off right away because you want to get that stain out. But you got a shirt you don't care about, you wait till you get home and say, it's all right, I'll, I'll take care of it later. But you got a good shirt, your best shirt, you want to make sure you get that stain out. How much more, too, when we realize that we mess up, that we've done wrong, we've rebelled against God, we've done sin, we've done acts against his will, we want to fix it. How do we want to fix? we want to confess? We want to turn to God, so Lord have mercy upon him. And I'm so glad, First John 1 and 9 says that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, I'm so glad that he can wash us and make us white as snow. That he can clean it up, you know, you know, the, the precious song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we realize that sin is so repulsive that we need to, it to be washed and cleansed. And we want to cleanse right away. We don't want to hold on to it and get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier but as soon as we realize the stench we said, lord have mercy and god said i got you and that he can clean it out and so when he cleans it out now you are prepared to be used for righteousness to be his will and when you are prepared to do his will you are now in the proper position to do great and awesome things and these awesome things I want us to look at to see that we are only able to do because of the awesome things that his son has already done. The will of the father is that none should perish, but repent and be saved. The will of the father moved him to send his only begotten son through 42 generations to die a humiliating death on the cross to set the captives free. The will of the father did this by grace. For by grace we have been saved through faith. Therefore, we have no choice but to be in deep in Christ. We should not be separated from the one who bled and died for our sins, who set us free from the dominion, the bondage, and the enslavement of sin. For we should now walk in the view and consider his amazing grace And the liberty and the peace that He's given us through our relationship through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So now that we are in deep in Christ, we are in deep to know his power. We are in deep to know the power of his resurrection. We are in deep to to be his true disciples. And we are in deep to in deep to live a life for Christ. We are in deep because we are dead to this world and alive in him. And we are in deep because being his disciples means this that we will they will know. That we are his disciples by how we love one another. And being in deep is being in love. Anybody here in love with Jesus? And aren't you glad that Jesus is in love with you? And and when you get in deep, check this out. When you get in deep, it's easier for you to love those who curse you out. To love those who mistreat you. Love those who abuse you even disrespect you, you can still love on them that the next day they walk around on eggshells, but you come and give them a hug anyway. they try to figure out why you're being so nice to me. That's an opportunity to say because God is good. But wasn't I mean to you yesterday, but that's all right. I've already forgiven you. How could you have forgiven me? Because my God has forgiven me. Anybody, I'm glad I'm in deep. When you get in deep, you realize that God will cover everything. (laughs) Ha ha. For love covers a multitude of sins. And so when we get in deep, we get in deep in love. When we get deep in love, we are in deep in his grace. When we get deep in his grace, we are in deep in his life to live a life for him and no longer for us. Anybody here in deep? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you.